Welcome everybody to the 12th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Zanna and I'm here with my co-host Jeroen. Hi. Today we have another episode of the Science Life and we're going to talk about tips for future PhD students. So if you're a student right now and you're thinking about doing a PhD, then this is definitely the episode for you. And we're going to split it up into three parts because we have a lot of good tips. Uh, the first part will be about uh, the PhD, if it's a good idea. The second part and episode will be about finding a PhD spot that works for you. And the third part will be about tips for the application process. So we're going to start with the PhD. Is it a good idea? And uh, for the next couple of weeks, we'll be posting part two and part three. So keep your eyes peeled for that. So let's start. Okay, first of all, we would like to thank everybody that responded with their great tips. We uh, asked our colleagues and our uh, followers on uh, Twitter, among others, for some tips about things they would have loved to know before they started the PhD. So we have a lot of experiences from, from ourselves and from others uh, and we've made an entire list of that uh, that we're going to discuss in this episode. Um, so thanks again, everyone, for all your uh, support and being involved with the podcast. Yeah, that was really nice. And it's really nice to see how um, enthusiastic everybody is also. So uh, we have a really nice list of tips for PhD students, but it is important to know that there are quite a few differences between doing a PhD in different countries and, of course, the tips that fit with that. Um, we are, of course, PhD students in the Netherlands, so most of our tips will definitely be relevant for other PhD students or people who want to do a PhD in the Netherlands. And a lot of them will also apply to every other country because a PhD is also a PhD, of course. Uh, and if you want to see the whole list of our tips and get a nice overview, please visit our website, which is just finished. It's thestrugglingscientist.com. And here you can find an overview of all the tips that we had um, together with the episodes, of course. Let's start with this, I guess. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, our first category, let's call it that, is the PhD. Is it a good idea? Question mark. And that depends a lot on the kind of person that you are, I guess. Um, so it's really important to first get to know yourself and what you want. So get to know yourself. What kind of person are you? Can you deal well with setbacks, for example? Yes, may sound a little cheesy, but it's definitely important to know that uh, before even considering doing a PhD. Yes, because if you if you take things very personally or if you see every setback that you have as, as a failure of your person, um, things are going to be really rough because setbacks happen a lot in the PhD. Especially over a four-year period. Especially then, yes. And not every experiment is meant to work out, right? Because otherwise it would be too easy. Yeah, anyone can do it. <laughs> okay, the second one is, are you a tenacious person? Can you keep doing the same thing over and over sometimes until it somehow works, well, until you change the thing that makes it work? Uh, or are you easily dissuaded? Because that can be very important for certain experiments that just take a long time to optimize or to work out. Um, and you, you, need to, you, need to, you need to keep going somehow. You need to be so headstrong that you won't give up. Yeah, sometimes a paper or a project needs a experiment to work. Sometimes you just need to keep going at it, uh, I guess. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, so our next tip is why do you want it? Uh, clarify some strong reasons for committing to the PhD for yourself. Yes, because it's of course going to cost you a lot also. And if you're, for example, only thinking of doing it because it would be fun to have this extra uh, little paper, extra diploma, don't do it because it's it's you need really need clear clear motivation and clear reason to do it um, for you to survive basically yeah for like i already said i guess earlier it uh, four years takes a while uh many setbacks um if your reason for doing it isn't strong then you're gonna have a tough time throughout those next four years which is why we segue then which is a perfect segue for the next uh tip what do you actually hope to get out of it is it just the diploma is it the experience along the way is it the work experience there are all good reasons to and, and things to get out of the PhD, but think about why you would want it and what your reasons are so that you know what kind of persons you are and why you're doing it from the from the get-go and that you have your motivation clearly set already. It could change, of course, along the time, but it's good to know to to before you start doing something super difficult to know why you're doing it and to really have thought about this. Yes. And another point is, are you actually a curious person? Are you ready to spend years of your life investigating this tiny part of a subject? And especially in basic science, it might actually not ever have any real world applications or at least not in your lifetime. Um, we often do research that is very specific about one type of protein. Maybe in the far future, this will result in some type of medicine or it will help elucidate the pathways of how for example in my case cholesterol metabolism works but in the meantime are you are you okay with that just to satisfy your curiosity i guess yeah i mean in the other at the end of the day not not every project can be the discovery of crispr right that will have no so many potential nobel will win nobel prizes and have so many potential spin-off companies and stuff like that so yeah you know, you need to you need to know for yourself if you're curious enough in a subject to want to spend time on it uh, and dedicated amount of time to it. Yes, changing the world very rarely happens in science. We all hope for it, of course, but if that is your motivation, things are going to be hard. I think. Yeah. So next up, we have: Are you very organized when you work? Yes, of course. When you do experiments, you really need to keep a good track of what you're doing. Be organized, make sure you have all your appendors in a row and you can keep tra a track of where you were at. If you have a 96 well play to pipe it in, don't don't screw it up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice. It's very easy in the lab that you're working hard on a 384 wells plate and then suddenly someone asks you for something very quickly and you look away and you have no idea where you're left off. So no, have like a system that you understand like... If that happens, maybe it's good to know exactly where you left off, which row, which column. Yeah, and it can be something stupid like just moving your appendorf once you have piped something in it or out of it, just one row higher on your board. And then mm. you know that that's the appendorf you already did. And then if you get distracted, you know exactly where you were. Yeah, but also very important labels. Uh, how oh, well yes. do you label your thing? Because you'll, you'll definitely remember it maybe the next day what you labeled, but not over a couple of weeks when you have to come back to those samples, maybe. Yes. And I mean, those are more tips, I guess, for when you're already doing the PhD. But 
Yeah. Make sure you have you have a system. Yeah. The system that works for you. Mm -hmm. I, for example, had the problem that I changed my system a couple of times because the system I started out with didn't really work that well. So now I have three different systems that I completely understand what is what. But if I ever need to communicate it to somebody else. Chaos. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, but I also have that. I also had that problem sort of when I started the PhD as well that, you know, we did masters and those take a couple of months. You had some samples, you had some experiments, but you're going to have by the end of the PhD four years worth of that instead of a couple of months and of that. And probably different projects exactly. and different things. And then, so yeah. you need a system that scales up uh, quite well. Uh huh. So think about that if. If you're not organized, how to get organized and... Yes, you know. and also in your time management, yes. uh, you you need to keep track of all the different projects that you're working on, on all the different experiments that you're, do that you're doing. Um, that's not the job of your PI, that's your job to keep track of where, where you're at. And I mean, if you're not an organized person, you can become it, but think about it and like, is it something you are willing to do for the PhD, I guess? Mm -hmm. And then a very important one is how well, how good are you at standing up for yourself when it's needed? And in some cases, it can even be against a supervisor um, because not all supervisors work out in the end for all PhDers. Uh, and well, you need to be able to go to your supervisor and tell him what you need. And if that's something that you struggle with, uh, that can make things very, very difficult. So standing up for yourself when it's needed is a, is an important thing, I think. Yes. Next up, do you love science and lab work or doing experiments? Um, yeah, would you enjoy the, the journey and not necessarily the end goal of getting the PhD more? Because again, it takes a while. Uh, there's a lot to do. Um, there are many setbacks. So it's quite a journey. Um, if you don't enjoy it in the end, if you don't enjoy the process, then the end goal will seem even farther away than it actually is. Yeah, and with that also, can you find happiness in small victories? Yeah. Even if you feel like you're not making any big progress, it can just a, a, a really nice looking Western blot or DNA gel make your day and make you a little happy again? Of course, because... but they're never nice looking. <laughs> Sometimes they are. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's important to to enjoy those small things too, because otherwise, if you're just going to wait for the big things, you're going to wait a long time. Yeah, but I think that also has to do with you need to break it up into chunks and sort of see every day as I'm working towards the end goal. Like you're working on the journey to getting there. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't see it like that, then you're sort of hoping for like the end, but you're never you don't really focus on what you're presently doing to get to that point you're not seeing that progress yeah. so it's a little yeah difficult in that sense i would say yes and then another really important one do you love challenges or do failures get you down easily again going to the point of sometimes uh like for example uh, the recent episode that we made about the gersh experiment is a really good example of an experiment that just doesn't work out a lot and all the things go wrong and can you can you pick yourself up and go go at it again the next day, or do you think failures will really, really hurt you and make you, well, not want to do it again? I guess yeah. because 
ja, as a scientist, you just need to be a really tenacious person and you just need to keep going where nobody else would. And you need to be prepared for failure for at least a year or two sometimes if you're really unlucky, if not more. Yes, yes. It's not like, oh, this month wasn't so great. No, 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 no. It's many, many months of yes. potential failures. Mm -hmm. People often call that the sort of dip in the PhD. Well, if, it can, if you're unlucky, it can last a while. Yes. So, uh, in addition to those, uh, can you also work under high pressure? Because, of course, well, at least in the Netherlands, we have to publish, uh, what is it, two to three papers. So, there's definitely a demand on you to uh, perform. And, and get you have a certain amount of time yeah. and you have other people dependent on you or like working with you. You have to do, give presentations and conferences, which can also add some pressure. Um, are you are you able to cope with that? Do you thrive under pressure, or are you are you a person that really really hates that? Because there's just so many things to think about, also about the future after the PhD, um, and and it's just not not only the PhD, but also the things around it, like organizing things. It just it's it can be a lot, mm -hmm. and it can be very high pressure, even not well. Even if it's not necessarily from the papers or from from your PI, you also put a lot of pressure on yourself to perform, of course. Yeah, and uh, you need to be able to deal with that. Yeah, I would say the the problem with the high pressure it's 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 not always so obvious as like you know you have a big presentation coming up, you know about that one, and you're preparing for it, and once it's done, you sort of feel that pressure go away. But you also have the sort of ambient high pressure of constant bombardment of emails, need to do this, need to prepare that. It's never just one big thing that you have to worry about. It's multiple tiny things. And the to-do list never ends. Exactly. It just always gets longer and longer and longer and longer. And sometimes you feel like you, you're not even crossing anything off in a week. And mm -hmm. you're just, ah! Or if you do, then you're adding five more things for everything you cross or out. Or it needs to be repeated anyway. Yep. And then it's back <laughs> on your to-do list. <laughs> yep. Yes. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph. Completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny, and if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. And another really important point is, can you motivate yourself or do you need, really need motivation from others? Because in academia, you really cannot 
rely on confirmation from others because in many situations you're not going to get it. You need to be the person to pick yourself up and continue with the project if it isn't working well. You need to be the person that gets up the next day and does the experiment again. Um, of course, you have some support in your in your lab mates and in your supervisor if you're lucky. But even sometimes you're not lucky and you don't have that. Um, you you really need to somehow find motivation even when everything feels like it's burning down around you. Yeah. And um, yeah. And again, like that motivation. It's it's really hard to sum it up because we we're now in sort of our last year of the PhD. Mm. And it's not again, it it's years, right? So it's can you motivate yourself for months, years of things not working out, of being continuously under pressure, of having to get certain results? It's not easy. It's it's it, you can you might think that you can do it uh, before you start your PhD. Like oh yeah, I can handle that, but you can handle it for a bit, uh, and you need some way to co- sort of cope with it by the end of the PhD. I think yes. And for all those people out there thinking right now, like this sounds really negative, and why did you guys ever start about start this? Why would you do that? Well, personally, I think it's also for me. A, a challenge to to sort of do this PhD and get through this. So I know it sounds really negative, but I definitely think there are people who can definitely handle a PhD and who can thrive on the pressure. And I like to think that I'm one of them. I hope so. Um, so all of these tips are just to make sure that you are the kind of person that can handle this. Because sadly, there's still a lot of people who start a PhD and halfway there crumble under the pressure, and it's it's not a it's not a good thing to see and um we're definitely also not saying that a phd should be like this because we think it should be different and Mm -hmm. it should be better for your mental health um but the reality is that it's often well almost always like this yep um another point is like can you handle criticism well or do you take things very personally and um are they really demotivating to you uh because I mean, when an experiment didn't work out well, your supervisor needs to be able to tell you that you didn't do the experiment well or that it's like crap, basically. And uh, if you take that very personally and as a criticism of your own skill, then that might be very hard to get back uh, over, basically. Yeah, I mean... I I sort of struggle with this quite a bit, uh, myself personally, I guess. But I think it also has to do with uh, the duration and intensity of those failures over time, I guess. Because if one experiment fails and yeah, it was crap, you can you can maybe sort of take on the burden of uh, bearing that sort of failure personally for a bit, not months, not years. Then that sort of starts wearing down on you. And of yes. course, that's not healthy to do it like that. I understand that. But sometimes you're sort of... That's how you view it. So you need, you might need to um, rewire how you frame things and take on criticism then. Yes. Yeah, the problem is that you need to adapt to the PhD because the PhD won't adapt to you. Oh, no. The, no. <laughs> um, and another point, are you good at working independently? A lot of the times a PhD is just working alone on a subject with some occasional feedback of the supervisor, of course. But in the end, it's really your responsibility to make sure that you're 
keeping track of your projects, that it's somehow making progress. And um, of course, there are certain locations where you can work more in a teams, team environment, but you really need to think about it if that is what you want, if that's really what would, will make you happier to sort of share some of the responsibility and work, for example, closely with a postdoc. Because it's definitely not in all locations uh, that way. And if you specifically want that, you need to make sure that you know that you want that and that you can look for it in the um, application process and specifically mention it also. That you really prefer to work in a team instead of all independently where all the pressure is on you alone, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, even if you do end up working in a team, um, you can always still feel like it's very alone, like you're in your own little bubble uh, at times. So it's, it's not necessarily that once you've you've signed up for a project where you're working with other people as well very closely that you truly feel like uh, a cohesive team, that you're not uh, completely by yourself. And somehow the PhD just has this way of isolating you mm -hmm. uh, from peop other people, even the ones that you see every day. So yes. you need to keep that in mind as well. Yes. But I definitely think that are, there are, for example... In my group, mm -hmm. I am completely alone in my pro in my in my project, mm -hmm. and I love that. But I I know that I love that, so I also never search for more of a team environment. Well, sometimes I do because sometimes it can be fun, of course, and especially with students, I love working in a team. Mm. But um, you like <laughs> being the boss? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. But if you if you know you love working in a team you you're, you're you should look definitely look for that more actively i guess yes so in addition to those we also have again before you start your phd to make sure you have a good support system to get you through the difficult times if you're considering doing your phd uh, make sure you have some uh, you make time for family as well as friends no matter what because it's not all about the phd the next four years are not all about just dedicating non-stop time to the phd even though sometimes you get that impression that that's what you have to do. Yes, but it, if you do that, you won't survive. No, exactly. You'll burn yourself out. The rates of burnout have been going up lately. So, yeah, don't do that. So focus on having a good support system. Yeah. Yes, and that can be any in any form that you like, of course. Mm -hmm. If you, if you <laughs> want to get the support of a cat, get a cat. <laughs> yes. Um. And are you the kind of person that takes your stress out on others? Then you really need to think about it if it's actually really worth your personal relationships to do a PhD. Because if you if you get angry easily when you are stressed out, then you're going to be a lot angry, uh, a lot of angry in the next four years of your PhD. Yeah. And that's not going to be fun for the people around you. So really, really know yourself. And um, try, or at least try to think about what kind of person you are mm. and what you need, or uh, even what you value. Right? I mean, if you're willing to sort of sacrifice your personal relationships for the next four years for the PhD, well, at least have that be a conscious decision that you're ma you're making because you know that's what you want. I yes. guess. So at least keep be deliberate about that. I guess. Yes. Uh. So, are you also interested in a career in academia after the PhD? This, of course, has many upsides and downsides too with it. 
And we plan on discussing this in a, in a future episode at some point. But yeah, you need to know that about yourself. Do you really want to, I don't know, at least do a postdoc or become a PI? Or... And are you, in that case, ready to, for example, move across countries a couple of yeah. times? Um, but again, we hope to make a future episode about and discuss this. Of course, doing a PhD doesn't automatically mean that you end up in academia. But if that is the reason why you're doing the PhD, then also take into account all those downsides that you have from doing a postdoc, doing multiple postdocs, then becoming a PI somehow. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, every step of the way, there's a large percent of people that just keep dropping out, right? Like Yes, and for a reason also. Yes, of course. So it's not necessarily like if your goal is to become a PI that... The, the the statistics are kind of against you at that yes, point. So that. keep that in mind. It's an uphill battle. Yes. Um, and then are you willing to sacrifice a big part of your personal life? Well, of course, we just told you to not do that and to make time for it. But still, um, in a normal nine to five job, you will probably at least nine to five jobs as they are in the Netherlands, I guess. Um you will probably still have a lot of time beside your work to do things. But with a PhD, even even if you are at home in the evening, you're still thinking about your project. You're still, well, in our case, discussing it with... Making a podcast about it. Or making a podcast about it. Um, thinking about it, making plans. Uh, if you have a student, you're often on Sunday evening planning the student's work week because you won't have time to do that during your own experiments and... A work-life balance is not really something that's very easy to maintain at all during a PhD. And that sometimes it's just not possible at all, even if you try hard. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you're lucky, you can sort of manage to get like still one hobby in sort of recreationally. Um, And yeah, other things are more than that is sort of pushing it. Yeah, well, it also depends how good you are at planning, I guess. Yeah. But... (laughs) It's difficult. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, for example, I'm right now at uh, six hours of sleep and I wake up early in the morning to get my runs in. And by early, I mean five to six o'clock. That's how I get it in. Because you want to do a marathon, yeah. Yes. So if if you still want to do everything, you can, sort of. You can push yourself. Um, but not for four years long. No. I mean, I only recently started this and you can. I can definitely feel the toll from time to time. It's just... Yeah, you need to know what you're sacrificing for this PhD. Yes. And of course, uh, academia isn't the end all of jobs. It isn't the necessary stop step to do after your bachelor or master in our cases. Um, there are also jobs in private sector and government. Um, and if the PhD, especially after hearing all of those negative things, isn't for you, that's also okay. And, and just go look for something else. This can also be very difficult, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, don't don't do it if it isn't for you. Just just think about what kind of person you are, and try to make an informed decision. Yeah, I think it, it's what makes that difficult is that you start out doing your bachelor's or your master's in academia, and you always see you always get advertised about academia from other people, professors, and stuff like that. Yes. So you really understand. You know what the grass on your side looks like. You have no idea what the grass on the other in the other. Uh, yard looks like you don't know if it's greener but uh, the problem is you also don't know that after doing the phd because i no. still don't have a clue about what actually happens in companies sometimes no exactly that's why so 
but there's no reason to think that you should have to stay in academia just because you know what it's like now and you're okay, you're willing to deal with that. You can always try out and find out what happens, what it's like in industry, for example. Yes. So that already brings us to the conclusion uh, of our first part about the PhD. Is it actually a good idea? And uh, there's a lot to think about and to consider and to get to know yourself a bit. And uh, already a couple of great tips, I guess. So again, thank you everybody on on LinkedIn and Twitter and our colleagues and our friends that helped us uh, get to this list of tips. And next week, we will have an episode about finding a PhD spot that works for you and what to watch out for and what to think about again. So keep your eyes peeled for the episode next time, next week. Now, we will definitely be posting our um, our list of tips also on our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. Uh, if you want a nice overview, please uh, check out our blogs there. And if you want to ask us any question, please reach out to us. Uh, you can do this via the website, uh, but also via our LinkedIn or Twitter or our Facebook page. You can find us everywhere under The Struggling Scientists, of course, or via email address thestrugglingscientists at hotmail.com. We hope you enjoyed our episode and please tune in again for next week's episode where we continue these uh, tips for future PhD students. Bye. Bye.